Hello, I'm Party Parslow, and this is episode 16 of Party in China. The story of my fascinating, frustrating, and very, very funny adventures teaching English in the Chinese provinces of Sichuan and Jiangsu. This is the truth, but it's not the whole truth because too much happened. And it's not nothing but the truth because there are jokes and hearsay and conjecture and guesses and mistakes. And because I eventually went mad over there and insanity plays tricks with your memory. Now, last time I said that this episode would be entitled Party in Hong Kong. But I'm not there yet. I haven't even started the journey at this point. See, I need to explain to you why I was going. I'd made it clear to Sonny's English Club that I wouldn't risk another terrifying PSB interview with the nasty lady copper in Chengdu. I told them to sort out my Z working visa or I'd leave the country before my extended tourist visa expired. Looking back at my emails, I see, I insisted, I won't stay in the country illegally! Exclamation point. Somehow I'd apparently forgotten that I'd already stayed in the country working illegally for over three months. As a special autonomous region, Hong Kong is part of China, but a separate part, in many ways almost a different country, which is why the PRC has a consulate there, making Hong Kong the handiest way for the incorrectly documented to change their status. A bureaucratic waste of time and energy, but on the other hand, I loved Hong Kong. I didn't, however, believe Sonny's could get their act together in the fortnight I had left as a tourist. I also couldn't see how I could get my act together with Juanita. Two more weeks of inept courtship seemed a waste of time, and I'd been hurt by how calmly she'd taken the news of my imminent departure. Not this time, the last time, when I thought I was going to be deported a few episodes ago, the month before. I'd sulked for a few weeks, but when Trevor talked me into coming back to her bar, the only sign she'd missed me was her back room piled high with cartons of German dark beer she hadn't been able to sell to anybody else. To help reduce her surplus, I agreed to teach some of Winita's friends English. The lesson to last as long as they kept buying me beer. This probably seemed like a good deal to them, but they had no idea. After a few hours of conversation and instruction, they fled when Winita alerted them to their skyrocketing bill. So, by now well-oiled, I joined a new friend, Kessner, at a table of eight or ten of his friends. Kessner's big for a Chinese bloke with a buff head to rival mine, but a gentle giant couldn't be friendlier. They were playing a whodunit drinking game called Killer. Roles are assigned by dealing cards. If you get the Joker, you're the judge. An ace, you're a killer. A king, you're a cop. Any other card, you're an innocent bystander. The judge gets everyone to close their eyes and then gets the two killers and the two cops to identify themselves separately. The cops try to catch the killers, the killers try to kill the cops, and the innocent bystanders try not to get arrested or killed. In between the closed eye sessions, everyone at the table has to make a statement about who they think the killer might be and or why they themselves are innocent. Only Kessner and his brother, an airline pilot, spoke English. And they were paying close attention to the game, so their translations for me were very brief. Somebody would speak for five or six minutes, and one of them would turn to me and say, Oh, she says she didn't do it. I never found out how you won, as Kessner kept whispering advice to me, and I'd forget the rule of silence and say, What? He's a cop! or I knew she was the killer, whereupon everybody suddenly spoke English and the game was cancelled. 
I wasn't asked back to play again. If I stick to beer, I don't suffer hangovers. But passive smoking gives me a headache, and Juanita's bar was so small and unventilated, you could have smoked meat in there. Plus, the endless gambes led to me drinking red wine, whiskey, bijo, God knows. Sometimes all at once, as fellow drinkers tended to pour whatever they were having into your glass. So the next morning at school, I felt unwell and cranky when my worst-behaved junior class were being their usual felonious selves. I was at the blackboard writing up and reading out phrases and making them repeat them after me. My dog eats meat. My dog eats meat. Her mother is a pilot. I choose my shoes. I choose my shoes. After a quick bleary-eyed scan of the obviously bored class, I turned back to the blackboard and said, I thought under my breath, bunch of dickheads. Bunch of dickheads. Made me laugh. Sonny surprised me by actually sorting out the visa paperwork with a few days to go. But they had me flying to Hong Kong on Sunday evening. I didn't want to miss the weekend in one of the world's party capitals, so asked to go the day earlier and I'd cop the cost of the extra night. My plan was to arrive on Saturday morning, spend the weekend going bonkers in honkers, apply for the Z visa on Monday, paying double the fee for a rush job, pick it up and fly back to Chengdu on Tuesday, ready for school again Wednesday, a legal worker at last. Four fun days and three fabulous nights in Hong Kong. Hooray! Of course, it wasn't quite like that. My trip started off with an unusual incident as I walked to the Duyang bus station. A woman cried in alarm as a young man in an ugly tracksuit clutched at his chest and collapsed on the footpath. As he lay there, twitching and moaning, the alarmed woman threw a few yuan down on top of him. Other passers-by also dropped coins and notes. So rather than a heart attack, it seemed to be some kind of performance art? Or perhaps begging? Naturally, Sonny's had chosen the cheapest method of travel consistent with missing the least days of work. I was to fly to Shenzhen, the closest mainland city, then catch a bus to the border, make it through immigration before my tourist visa expired, and hop another bus to Hong Kong. But I thought I might take the ferry instead, as I was missing the sea terribly. Sonny's instructed me to come to Chengdu by 10am Saturday, which led me to believe I'd enjoy at least the afternoon and evening in Hong Kong. But it turned out my plane didn't leave until half past three. They'd been given the nod that the PSB would raid them that day, so she wanted some foreign faces around to make the office look legitimate. Despite this tip-off, no PSB goons showed up. At least not in the minute or two it took me to pick up my tickets and travel info and run. I did not want to meet any more PSB officers. I had several hours until my plane left, so I hid in the Shamrock pub behind several pints of Guinness. My arrival at Chengdu Airport in August was an unpleasant memory, which my return visit went some way to alleviating. The notice on every door, please cooperate with the anti-explosion security check, did diminish my good mood somewhat, but even my steel-toed bisley boots setting off the metal detectors felt like fun especially when a small, cute Chinese officer had me stand on a platform while she waved her electronic wand over me. 
Of course, then she couldn't reach my shoulders, so she tried jumping, and I caught her in the air and lifted her up. I thought I was being helpful, but she called over a gigantic, heavily armed SWAT guy who didn't think I was funny. The flight with Air China was late, but great. Unlike OK Airlines, there was no mob scene or fist fight. But our delayed arrival meant I had to abandon my plans to enter Victoria Harbour by sea and catch a couple of buses to Hong Kong. As it passed by the bus window, Shenzhen seemed very nice, very clean, very green. I would have liked to spend a few days there, even if just to be beside the seaside. I've heard the nightlife and music scene is very good. Night was falling as we reached the border crossing and the dusk thronged with people arriving by car, coach and train. Sunnies had provided me with allegedly helpful, but often contradictory notes from other English teachers who'd embarked on the same visa-swapping switcheroo. The notes advised me not to change money into Hong Kong dollars until after making it through immigration. Then I'd see an exchange which charged no commission right next to the escalator. Stupidly, I followed that suggestion. But not only was there no currency exchange on the other side, there wasn't even an escalator. After wasting time searching for either or both, I missed my connecting bus. So clambered onto another one, hoping it stopped near the cheap hotels. Kowloon, I asked the driver. <clears throat> he said. That was good enough for me. Since China reclaimed Hong Kong, she's also physically attached it to make sure the island doesn't get away again. Huge, sweeping, sky-high bridges connect the various islands and the mainland. It's quite a spectacular drive, particularly with the bright lights of honkers growing larger with every twist and turn. It'd be great fun on a fast motorcycle. Forty or so minutes later, the same bright lights were all around us and exciting, enthralling Hong Kong seemed eager to welcome me. The bus soon turned and stopped in an underground garage and everybody got off. I asked the driver once more, Kowloon? He said, Elephants. So I got off too, I like elephants. It turned out he'd said, Elements. Kowloon Elements is a big, shiny shopping centre, high class and high priced. Although you wouldn't know that immediately, as the first thing I saw as I exited the bus station was a grand piano upholstered in ugly, multicoloured carpet. I suppose it was art. That piano was merely the first of many, many ugly things I would see and have happened to me over the next several hours. But I hate to end on a negative note, so let's jump forward to the following evening. I'm sitting in a warm and comfortable Irish pub called PJ Murphy's on Nathan Road in Simsal Shre. In my hand is my second, or third, pint of excellent Guinness. The waitress is, with difficulty, manoeuvring a huge plate of freshly fried fish and chips onto my table. I have vinegar for the beer battered fish, HP sauce for the chips, and a side serving of green and gluggy mushy peas. Am I content? I'm shitting shamrocks. I think I'll call the next episode of Party in China Horribly Wrong in Hong Kong. I've never understood the saying, it's a fine line between pleasure and pain. But I do know that my tears will somehow end up as your laughter. So between pain and pleasure isn't a fine line, 
It's a production line. I'm Party Pauslow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.